0: If you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me in the book of Psalms to the fifth psalm. I want to read to you, I want to begin this morning reading to you the fifth psalm and and try to share just a few thoughts with you from there that the Lord has given me. Uh, The psalm five, I'll give you just a moment to get turned there. (coughs) This psalm is not a real long psalm, it's 12 verses long. Written by David, uh, King David. Uh, I'll say this while you're finding Psalm Five: there, um, each one of the psalms. Now, David is not the author of all the psalms, but he is the author of the majority of them. I believe he probably wrote more of the psalms than anyone else. Of course, when I say that, I mean that David is the human hand that God used to pen it. But the author of the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit of God, and so you know, all Scripture is given by God. It is literally breathed out uh, by God, uh, and it is the Word of God. Uh, but he did use um, great men of God to to pen the Scriptures. And so Psalm 5, uh, like I said, most of the Psalms, is, it was, the majority of them was written by David, but not all of them. Uh, and uh, there is background. Uh, there is historical background. There, in other words, there was things going on in the life of each one of the psalmists when they... Uh, whenever God inspired them and and they wrote the psalm. Uh, Some of them, we have some pretty good context and we understand. Psalm 51, for instance, is another one written by David, and we understand the background there. uh, uh, David is is repenting, and, and so there's been a whole thing with him and and Bathsheba, and and so we see that in Psalm 51. Others we don't know so much about. Uh, This uh, fifth Psalm, we don't know. Uh, We can kind of surmise some of the things that was going on. We know that uh, it was probably, and, and I'll try to point some of this out as we go along, but it was probably written, you know, after David was king. Uh, it was probably, uh, obviously, uh, and I think it'll be obvious in a minute, that uh, there were some things going on. David had some enemies and, and some people coming against him. And, of course, through, throughout all of David's life was that a way. Um, so anyway, Psalm, the fifth Psalm, the first verse says, Give ear to To my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Let me just mention real quick, some refer to this this psalm as a morning prayer. Verse 4, for thou art not a God that hath... Pleasure and wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity, thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord. And thy righteousness, because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in, in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out. In the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before him. We thank you, Lord for the wonderful day you blessed us with. We thank you for the many blessings you poured out on us, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning uh, to be able to freely come in here uh, without any kind of fear or persecution or anything like that and to openly declare your word and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. There are so many in so many places of the world right now today that do not have the same freedom that we enjoy here. And so, Lord, we praise you and we give you all the glory for it because we know that ultimately it's a gift from you but we also thank you for each one who has sacrificed each one who has fought who has bled and who has died so that we can have this freedom but we give you all the glory and we thank you lord for the many blessings especially lord most of all for your son lord that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and we thank you lord for the uh, j- just uh, uh, the health that you've given us the ability to be here this morning and Lord, we just pray as we go forward in this service this morning. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst here this morning. Move in a mighty way. God, stir our hearts here this morning. Lord, my prayer is, is that you would uh, uh, that You would open our eyes and our ears. Lord, that you'd open our understanding here this morning. God, that you'd give us ears to hear what you'd say by your spirit. Eyes to see what you'd have us to see in your word. Hearts to, to understand and to do your word. Lord, don't let us be hearers only, but let us be be doers of your word God my prayer is is that you would move in our midst in a mighty way Lord if there's any among us here this morning that doesn't have things right with you if there's any that are lost and undone any who are backslidden, any who are just uh, maybe not sure where they stand with you, God let today be the day that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. God my prayer this morning is that you would move upon our hearts and our minds here this morning in a mighty way. God that you're would be done, Lord. That you would stir us, Lord. That you would lift us up, God. That you would encourage us, and that you'd draw us near to you, Lord. That we would leave here with a desire to walk with you, to walk close with you, to serve you with a burden for a lost and dying world. God, my prayer this morning is to have your way. Is for you to have your way and your will in our midst, to do what only you can do here this morning, and we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. And, Lord, let me ask one last thing. Lord, use me here this morning. Clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tone the very things you'd have me to say here this morning, Lord. And, Lord, uh, God, my prayer is everyone would leave here this morning knowing that they've heard from you. God, that it's it's a message from you through my spirit to theirs. It's one dying man to another. God, just have your way and your will, and we'll give you all the glory. We love you this morning. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We'll ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. John Wesley one time famously said, Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I will shake this world for Christ. Think about that for just a minute. That was, that was John Wesley's heart's desire. As he cries out to God, Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I will shake this world for Christ. Glory, hallelujah. If we would have some Christians with that kind of heart today. I think that's part of what this psalm is getting at and talking about David, and, and I think that we just need to kind of walk our way through that, and hopefully I can make that clear to you this morning. In the first three verses of this psalm, we see David uh, seeking after God. Right? So you, you could, if if you wanted to, tithe, if you wanted to give a subheading for these first three verses, it would be something like that: David seeks God. Okay. The first verse: Give ear to my words, O Lord. Conce- Consider my meditation, right? David is saying, listen to me God, right? Hear my prayer is simply what David is saying. That is the beginning of his cry, right? This is from David's heart, right? It, it is, I mean, it is ultimately from God, right? Through the Holy Spirit of God, but we hear the cry of David's heart and the cry of David's heart is, oh God, hear me, right? It's The cry of David's heart is not let me go through some ritual, not just let me say my prayers of the morning and of the evening like I always do, right? Like so often we get used to, right? We we get called upon to pray and we just go through the motions, right? We get ready to maybe bless our food or, or, or pray of the night before we go to bed and we just kind of go through the motions and say the things that we've always said. But here we see David, right? Lord, God, hear my voice. Hear me when I pray. In verse 2, he says, Hearken, Unto the voice of my cry. My king and my God. Do you catch that? Ki- Here's David, the king of Israel, right? Nothing, he's not saying anything about that. Here is David, humble before God. And rightly so, putting him, God, in the place where he belongs, right? And says, my king. Nothing to do with the sermon, but it just makes me think. And, and I know I've shared this with you before. But John Adams, the second president of the United States, I read one time that during the Revolutionary War, a battle cry that he was famous for. It was, we recognize no sovereign but God, and no king but Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, praise God. Hey, that's, I'm telling you right now, that's the kind of leaders that we need again today. That needs to be our heart's desire as well. And so here is David, hearken unto my voice to the voice of my cry, my king and my God, unto thee will I pray, right? I mean, when David refers to God as my king and my God, he's expressing the fact that his life is fully submitted to God, right? He's recognizing that and, he's, and he, is, he is acknowledging that, right, with his voice, with what he's saying, right? And the same as so that we need to. David also makes the point that it's to God and to God alone that he prays. Verse 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. David tells us that he seeks the Lord first. That he seeks him early. Here in the literal sense, you know, it's it's morning. But I think that we need to understand that really the essence of what David is saying is that God is first and that he seeks him first. Can I just simply say this? We are bad about getting into the place that whenever we've come to our last straw, when we've got to the end of the rope, when we feel like we've run out of options and we don't have anywhere else to go and anywhere else to turn and we don't know what else to do, then we call upon God. That's the opposite of what we need to be doing. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. That's the opposite of what our attitude ought to be. And I think that is, is expressed here as well, right? At least symbolically in this when he's saying in the morning early do I seek, do I seek thee, right? God needs to be who we go to first, not last. And then in, you see a change in direction, starting in this fourth verse, verses 4, 5, and 6, right? We see here that David is expressing or sharing or acknowledging that God hates sin and wickedness. As a matter of fact, verse 4, For thou art not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee, right? David is saying, Lord, I know what kind of a God that you are. I know that you take no pleasure in in wickedness, right? That There is no place for wickedness. In other words, what he's saying is there is no place for wickedness with God. God will not tolerate sin. He is a holy and just God, right? We have a problem today, especially in our... Today is we like to we like to recreate God, right? We like to make God into our own image, right? We like to try to reflect that and put that on God, and then whenever we have made God into our own image, then we begin to then we have a God, right, that tolerates sin and puts up with sin and is uh, is has a lower standard of holiness, right, and that winks and excuses things and looks the other way and and and, and literally lets us away with. Mercy. But what we've done is we've created for ourselves another God. I think the Apostle Paul speaks of that in 2 Corinthians, right? Another God, another Jesus, and another gospel. He said if one comes preaching uh, those things, don't have nothing to do with them. Listen, if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. God is a just and holy and perfect God. Now, he is also a merciful God. Right? He is full of mercy and forgiveness. Right? And so he's a forgiving God and a merciful God. And David will mention that here in a minute. But understand that there is no place for wickedness with God. And he does not tolerate sin. Verse 5 The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Did you hear the last part of that? That's something that goes completely against modern secular Christianity. I just made that term up. I don't know that that's a real thing. But you understand what I'm saying here this morning. That flies in the face of it. They will absolutely right, be appalled by that. But that's what the scripture says here. right? David is acknowledging that God hateth all workers of iniquity. David is saying he knows that proud fools will not enter into the presence of God. And he literally says that God hates all workers of iniquity. Now, does that mean that whenever we sin that God hates us? No, that's not what that's saying. That's not what he means by that. He hates the sin. He hates the choice. But yet he loves us enough that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins so that we might be able to be made right with him, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be able to one day enter into his presence. But those who have a wicked heart and those who desire to just thumb their nose at God There's no place with God and no place in his presence for them. Verse six Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, right? That's an that's an old word old English word for talking about those who lie. Deceitful, those who are deceitful. Not somebody, he's not talking about somebody, see, and and we've got that definition twisted a little bit, right? Somebody that accidentally gets a fact wrong, accidentally confuses something, you know, and, and misspeaks. That's not lying, that's not what it's talking about here in this sense, in leasing, right? What he's talking about is somebody who is intentionally deceitful, intentionally saying something that they know is not true, right? And usually for, you know, a bad reason. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. David says that he knows God will destroy all liars and that God cannot stand murderers and deceivers. There's there's no place, right? God hates all sin. And wickedness, right? That's what he's talking about here in verses four, five, and six. But then we see a change again as we enter into verse seven. But as for me, so what God is or what David is getting ready to say, he's getting ready to talk about him drawing near to God, right? So he says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord. But now, 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 what do we hear David saying here, right? David is saying, because of your love, Lord, I can enter into your house, right? I can enter into your presence. Because of your love, God, I will worship you. Because of your love, I will draw near to you. I mean, think about What he is saying there, right? Now, again, uh, David is is saying this. This is a thousand years before Christ. And David is talking about, when he's talking about the temple, right? He can't be talking about what we know is the temple. The temple's not even built yet, right? Remember, it's David's son, Solomon, that builds the temple. So what is he talking about when he says temple there? Well, he could just simply be the term that they use to refer to the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle was around then. But yet, there may be more meaning to that, right? The book of Hebrews tells us that uh, what was here on earth is just, I'm, I'm paraphrasing my own words, but it's just an image, a reflection, right? A, a shadow of what is in heaven. I I can't help but think when he's talking, what he's really talking about here is spiritually entering into the presence of God, right? Which physically one day we'll get to do as well. And when I think about that, I can't help but think, how is that way made possible? Right? He's talking about something, right, that is a foreshadow of what is yet to come, right? A, A thousand plus years in the future right? It is only by Jesus that we can enter into the presence of God, right? Remember whenever he was, remember when he was on the cross, right? And remember when everything happens, right? When he's crucified and he's on the cross and the sky goes goes dark, right? And you remember what happens there when he dies and and that great earthquake happens, right? And and, and there's there's a resurrection that happens, right? And that big heavy curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple which represented the presence of God was split in two, rent in two from the top to the bottom, glory to God because from that point forward because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross now can we enter into the presence of God. And now the scripture tells us we can boldly enter in and take our supplications to Him. Right? We can boldly enter into His presence. Something that couldn't happen before that. But yet here's David talking about that. So, listen to me. Jesus is the only way that we have to the presence of God. There is not many paths to heaven. Right? That's one of the lies of the devil that he loves to tell today and that he's going around telling everybody. Hey, you just be good. Just do the best that you can. Live the best life that you can. And one day we'll all be in our version of heaven. Listen to me. There's a lot of deceived folks that one day will find themselves in the devil's hell. It wasn't made for them, right? It was made for the devil and his angels, right? But because we have chosen, so many have chosen to reject the only way to God, right? The door, right? The only way to God, Jesus. Because we've chosen to reject that. Many will find themselves eternally separated from God. In verse 8, he goes on and says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. David asked the Lord to lead him. To make his will known to make god's will known to David, in other words, to make it plain to make it simple, to make it easy to understand there's been times where I've been driving down the road, I remember especially when I was driving a truck and I, and I was uh, Lord was dealing with me, and I was seeking God's will and not sure what the direction and I, and I would just you know sometimes I talk to God and, and and maybe i'm not formal enough i don't know i'm just talk to him as I'd talk to a brother or a friend and and anyways and I'd be like Lord I don't know, I don't get it, I don't understand make it clear to me hey if you want to put it on a billboard maybe a flashing sign that would be great that's kind of what sometimes what it takes to get through to me that's what David is saying make it known, make it plain make it simple, make it easy to understand so that I won't stray away from your path God and so I won't fall into destruction we go on and we look at verses 9 and 10 and David makes clear that those that he's just talking about the sin and the wickedness and those who are workers of iniquity as the scripture says that God judges the wicked and the sinful don't think for a second that you can live in your sin and then die in your sin and because you weren't that bad of a person and you didn't really hurt nobody that you know of or anything like that, that God will just wink and look the other way and excuse your sin. Listen to me. You will stand before a holy and just God on a day of judgment. And all of your righteousness, and you can throw my righteousness in there with it, all of our righteousness together won't be enough. It'll be nothing but filth as filthy rags Before the Lord. It is only the righteousness of Jesus that is acceptable. And when we accept Christ and we truly put our trust and our faith in him, his righteousness is applied to us and applied to our lives. And by those merits would we be judged. Verse 9. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is, is very wickedness. Their throat is as an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue, right? David says that God's enemies, the sinful and the wicked, right? That's who God's enemies are. The sinful and the wicked are liars. He says that their desire is to hurt other people and their talk, their words, the things they say is toxic. That's what he's saying. And then in verse 10, he says, Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Right? He's saying, Let them get what they deserve. Right? He's saying, Their own schemes and, and things like that, let it fall on them. Let them get what's coming to them. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. David is saying, God, judge them. Let them destroy themselves. Right? He's saying that those that are scheming and up to wickedness and sinfulness, right? Let them let them get the, the fruit of their works, right? Let them destroy themselves. Because they have chosen a sinful and rebellious path. And then in verse eleven and twelve. But let we see God's protection and blessings, right? His protection and blessings for those who draw near to God, right? We're backing back to those first couple verses, right? Because that's what David is doing in those first couple verses, right? Lord, hear my cry, right? He's trying to draw near to God. He's calling upon him early. God's protection and blessings for those that draw near to God, verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Right? God protects those that trust in him. Those that take refuge in him, they have God's protection. Now that may not always look like we think it will look like or like we maybe want it to look like, but God takes care of his. All those that truly love God can be and should be filled with the joy of the Lord. That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you in this life, because they absolutely will. If they persecuted Jesus, and look what they did to him, will they not do so much and so much more to us, his followers? Absolutely they will. And then look finally at verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will thou compass him, As with a shield, compass, surround him. As with a shield, something that's protected, right? So God blesses the righteous. God surrounds them with his favor. I I mentioned a minute ago uh, about the joy of the Lord, right? I always come back to the example of Paul and Silas, right? Whenever they have been uh, persecuted, they have been uh, beaten, because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are thrown into the innermost part of the prison, right? And, and, and this is when the encounter with the Philippian jailer happens, but at the midnight hour, right? When the ground shakes, but leading up to that, they are singing and making melody, and, 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 and there's a joy coming deep from within them that has nothing to do with their immediate circumstances. Their immediate circumstances, circumstances of life is terrible not based on the circumstances of their life. It's based on their relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to notice also that this goes back and forth between those that take refuge in God and those that fight against or oppose God. It's between, in other words, it's between the children of God and the enemies of God. So, What am I trying to tell you here this morning? What am I trying to get at? Let me ask you this question. Who's God looking for? I'll tell you who God's looking for. God's looking for a people who are after his own heart. He's looking for someone... Who loves what God loves and hates what God hates. I had Jeannie read the the scripture here this morning out of Acts, right? And, And the last part of there is where it talks about how God raised up David, a man after his own heart. Now listen to me. David was not a perfect man. But he was a passionate man who sought God with all of his heart, right? And he sought God's heart. Listen to me. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is the person that God uses is the type of person that seeks God with their whole heart. What God requires from us is not a formal religion. But instead, what he, what he's looking for from us is something that is much more personal and intimate. What God wants is for each of us to personally draw near to his presence. What what do I mean by his presence? I mean God himself. Why? Right? He is looking for a people not to go through some uh ritual, some formal religion or anything like that. He is looking for a people that desire nothing more but he himself that want nothing more than to draw near to God and to walk close with him and have a close personal relationship. That is somebody who is after God's old heart. True religion is finding knowing. And enjoying God, that's what it truly is, right? It, it, do not be and I 'm begging you tonight or this morning, do not be satisfied with anything less. Maybe that's the point of the message this morning is God's calling us to something more, something more than just going through the motions, something more than just showing up because it's Sunday morning and that's what we do. Something more than just going through the motions when we pray and saying the things that we know that we ought to say. Maybe God's calling us, not maybe He is, calling us to something more than that. He's calling us to be a people with the same kind of passionate heart that David had. Right? David wasn't perfect by any means. That's a lot more. There's a lot of sermons on that. But David was a man after God's own heart. So the question maybe this morning, are you a man or are you a woman after God's own heart? Because if you're not, you could be. You could be. It's up to you. It's up to you. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, would you come this morning? Don't miss this opportunity. Spirit of God dealing with your heart, right? There's maybe some things you're dealing with, some things that's going on in your life. I am begging you, come here and lay it out before the Lord. Pour your heart out to Him. Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you've got a burden. I don't know. Maybe you're lost, right? Maybe you know, you've realized this morning you're not where you ought to be with God, right? Maybe you realize you don't have a relationship with Him. Well, now's the time to come and begin one. Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? Would you come...